are listening to Aubrey CD Speaks. To find out more information about this podcast or for future episodes, you can go to my Instagram and my Twitter, Aubrey CD Speaks. And be sure to subscribe, like, comment, and review. Thank you so much. Be blessed. Today, we're going to talk about love. And not just any love. We're not going to talk about love between a husband and wife. Love between a parent and their child. Love for their nation. Love for whatever else. We're going to talk about God's love. We're going to talk about being compelled by love. And I'll more than likely do more about this because there's so much to talk about. And I'm trying to keep this episode as short as possible. I did do some research and looked up and there's like, you know, some articles about it. And Heidi Baker has a book on being compelled by love. I have never read it. Uh, I don't know what it's about. I'm sure it's about her mission work. And, you know, that's awesome. I, I, Heidi Baker, you know, man, she's anointed. The Lord uses her amazingly. But I'm going to say I, I, I'm not influenced by whatever it is she wrote in the book. This is something that the Lord has talked to me about. And it, it came from spending four years in revival. Honestly, that's, that's really where it came from. And it's not something that it has to come from revival. It was something that was reawakened and expanded while in revival. Spending four years in revival at my church has been, my life is like completely ruined by God (laughs) in a very good way. But the best way I can describe it to you is these last few four years, four years has been like this. God has taken what would have been decades of a relationship with him and learning and experience from him and put it all into this, this last, these last four years, decades, decades of experience, decades of life with him, a relationship, a walk with him and squeezed it all into a matter of days. Okay. Matter of days, weeks, months, and a few years. And it's nothing like I could ever imagine. I'm just floods, floods of his love. And his love is important. And when I talk about his love, I'm first off, I, I want to be very clear. I'm not talking about some kind of romantic love with God. I, I know that in goodness, I, to be quite honest, I've only known it about it since I've been born again, where, where people have talked about the love of God in a very romantic way or love for Jesus in a romantic way, that concept has kind of always, uh, I've never really understood it, um, it being a romantic love, because God's love is beyond that. A romantic love is so small compared to God's love. It's very trivial compared to his love. Like, I love my husband. I have romantic feelings (laughs) for my husband. But that is so small compared to God's love. And the Father always comes first. Like, God always comes first 
Um, we love each other, but the Lord comes first in our lives. I would say it's an example, like a, a marriage, a love between a husband and a wife is an example of, you know, Christ and his church, but it's only an example. It's not, it's not it. Okay, so this concept of God's romantic love, it, it's just, it doesn't quite hit the target. God's love is what brought salvation, redemption, is what took what Adam and Eve did that day in the Garden of Eden when instead of obeying the creator of all things, they listened to a snake that they should have had dominion over and had told it to be quiet. You know, and yes, I know it was Satan and all that, but still, they had dominion over every creeping thing on this earth. And they chose to listen to a creeping thing instead of the creator of all things. And when they did that and they disobeyed God, they, they brought sin into the world. And when sin was brought into the world, it brought a separation between us and God. So, you know, what, what God did by removing Adam and Eve from the garden is very much how, how it is with every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth. Sin separates us from God. The way Adam and Eve were separated from the Garden of Eden. It took Jesus, though he was tempted just like we are, he never gave in to his temptation, and he was sinless. He was pure, and it, it took him willingly and joyfully going to the cross and, and the wrath of God being poured out upon him so that we could know him, know God again, and, and finally being close to him again, make it, you know, because of Jesus, because of what Jesus did. God's love was so great. Okay, get, okay. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his love toward us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, right? And, you know, as believers in Christ, we hear that pretty often, right? Just like John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I know I just mixed up the new King James with the King James version. I grew up memorizing in King James, so, you know, spare me. We have read, we have learned to memorize since maybe children about God's love for us. And we can kind of swipe it, you know, and, you know, away as, oh, yeah, a piece of information. Let me tell you in my words how great God's love is. Okay, I, I, I grew up in church. I knew about God. I had experiences as a child that sealed for me the knowledge that God exists. I would argue with anyone in debate classes, anyone in, in my philosophy classes in college about the existence of God because I knew God existed. And, and they never could get past the fact that I had experiences. And they say, well, I've never had those. Well, too bad. I know God exists. That's just it. I have. I know he's real. And you cannot tell me otherwise and you cannot convince me otherwise. I was like that. And they're like, okay, so you're a Christian. 
no, I'm not a Christian. I just know God exists. And I, I willingly defied God. I was growing up where someone else was trying to control my very existence, everything. Um, there were dreams I, and goals I had that I couldn't do because of this person that wanted to control my life. Okay. And so my idea was, well, if God wants to control my life from what I've heard growing up in church, God wanted to control my life the way this person was controlling my life. Why would I want to live my life as a Christian? I don't want my life to be controlled. I want to live my life how I want to live it. And if that means I go to hell, well, then I'm going to hell. Like that was, that was my mindset. So it was a mind-blowing, you know, concept for me that here I am, a rebellious, um, self-seeking, openly defying person that was on their way to hell knowingly knowingly just to keep God from controlling her life. And God loved me in that moment. Like God knew that that's the kind of person I was at that moment, at that time in my sin. And he still saw me and said, Jesus, I want you to die for her. I want you to take all that, that she's built up over the years as a fortress against me. And I want you to tear it all down by dying for her, by paying her price for the sin in her life. Because I love her that much. Like he still loved me, even though I was purposely doing what I, the things that I was doing to, I don't know, prove something. I don't know, but he still loved me. He feels the same for you. Like he still loved you. He loved us all so much. Even in our place of sin, he poured out the wrath of God his hatred for sin upon Christ, who took every sin that I have and you have upon himself so that, so that we could be called children of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that just absolutely amazing? He did all of that for us because he loves us, because he loves you. And when, when I think of that, that, that just like blows my mind. It still does. It completely blows my mind because I knew the person that I was. And at that time, I knew my mindset, and he still loved me, and he didn't give up on me, and he didn't stop. And he just poured out his love on me, poured out his love on me. And even in moments where I just wanted to give up, he just continued to pour out his love on me. And I'm still learning about his love, and I'm learning this, what it means to be compelled by love, what it means to be motivated by his love. It's not just any love. It's his love. Motivated by his love. As he fills me with his love, I can't help but share it. I can't help but give it out. And it doesn't mean going to people and giving them free hugs. That would be so easy for me. Because I love to hug people. But it doesn't mean free hugs. And it doesn't mean just going up to somebody and saying, and, and I don't mind this. I mean, I, I'm not against this. I had people come up to me a year before I got born again and would tell me, God loves you, Jesus loves you. I have, you know, I'm not dissing it, but it's not a part of being compelled by love. It doesn't even mean being compelled by love to go up to somebody and say, can I pray for you? Being compelled by love 
is being so consumed by his love that you just got to go up to somebody and say, hey, do you know whether or not you're right with God? I mean, like, do you, do you really know? Are you born again? Have you been changed by the power of God? Have you humbled yourself before him and he responded by giving you a new heart? Like, do you know what he did for you? Do you, do you know that today's a good day to repent of your sins because tomorrow's not promised? Like, do you know? Sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel is a part of being compelled by love. Because God's desire is not that any man perish. And any man meaning humankind, it's not his desire for any of us to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. His desire is for all of us to be born again. Like, that's his desire. I mean, here, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9... Chapter 9, verse 16, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation because it has the word in it. It says, uh, For you see, even though I proclaim the good news, I can't take the credit for my labors, for I am compelled to fulfill my duty by completing this work. It would be agony to me if I did not constantly preach the gospel. And he's talking about... Um, being motivated, become, being compelled by what, you know, the love of God, what God's did, done for him, and going out and telling people about Jesus. Like, it, it, it just does something to you. When the love of God is in you, and your desire is his desire, which is that all come to repentance. There's this motivation, and it's not like a checkoff motivation where you know you check off every day that you've preached the gospel to somebody or 10 people or whatever your goal is and you don't you know write down how many people got born again it's not like that it's a it's a i i i the love of god is so great his spirit is so alive in me that i am motivated by it to preach the gospel I have to say something. You know, just like uh, the prophet Jeremiah says that the word of God, it, it's, it's like fire in, in his bones and he has to let it out. You know, you're, you're consumed by it. You're consumed by his word. You're consumed by his love. You're, 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 you've been made to be a messenger, to be a preacher of the gospel. And, and it's, it's something in you to tell everyone what Jesus has done. Like, um, like the, the gathering demoniac, like he went out to the 10 cities telling everybody what God had done for him. You know, there's something in his love that it compels you. And that, that compulsion, that drive is his desire that, no one perish, but all come to repentance. He has such a love for his creation. He has such a love for, for the people on this earth. He, he created us to, to know him and to be with him and to spend eternity with him. That it, it, drives, it drives us like it drives him, motivates and compels, just like it does him. To, to tell everyone of his love, of what he did, of how Jesus stepped in for us and took our place 
when it came to paying the wage of sin. He did it for us so that we wouldn't have to. And if we believe on him and put our faith and trust in him by repenting of our sins and, and, and putting our faith and trust in what he did, God responds. God will respond by giving us a new heart. It says that we become a new creation, that old things are passed away and all things become new. And suddenly that person that's become new, the love of God has been poured into them, that they are called the children of God. And when they are called the children of God, they are like God. And when they're like God, they go out and tell people what God did. Sometimes over time, you know, as, as we're Christians, people have, you know, asked us or told us to, you know, limit our zeal or our love to go out and tell people about Jesus. But God never says to do that. God never wants says to do that. No one that preached the gospel in the Bible ever said to do that. Ever, ever, ever. Uh, I've had one person tell me to to um, to kind of calm it down a little. You know, I need to study and show myself approved. And I was like, okay, I need to make sure I'm saying the right thing. All right. Lord, am I saying the right thing? Let me read the word. Let me make sure that when I'm talking to somebody and I'm giving them the gospel, that that your word is coming out. I'm not just uh, uh, wasting their time and all my words falling to the ground. But that only put more fire in my bones. And that only drove me to, to speak to everyone. When you're compelled by the love of God to preach the gospel, you don't just go out to the people that, obvious, that seem to obviously need Jesus. You talk to everybody. You don't care if they look like a kindergartner, you know, kindergarten teacher. You're going to give them the gospel. You're going to share with them what God has done. Because it, it, it doesn't matter. They're a life. They're a life, and no matter how they look on the outside, it tells you nothing of what they are on the inside. You just don't judge by what they look like. You give them the gospel because the love of God is in you. Sometimes, if you're listening, the Lord tells you a little bit about that person before you go up and talk to them. Just saying. But it compels you to talk to everybody. I've, talked to, I've given the gospel to homeless people, businessmen, I share the gospel with uh, I share the gospel with some gangsters in Oak Cliff. I've shared the gospel with uh, some rowdy teenagers in a McDonald's. One of them that thought that I would be quiet because he said he was Lucifer. And it, what it actually did was it left an open door for the others to listen. When you're compelled by love, things don't stump you. When you're, when you're motivated by Holy Spirit. It won't get stumped. It may, the first couple of people may sound a little clumsy, but you'll, you'll get in the rhythm. Just listen to the Holy Spirit and you go out and you preach the gospel to every creature. My husband's a preacher. Like, he's anointed. He's anointed to preach. And, and he'll stand on a street corner and he'll open air with a bullhorn. Okay? And, um, and people... People come and listen. Like they are, 
you should see it. They are drawn to him. They can't help but listen. They they come driving up and they'll park in the parking lot behind him and or even in front of him and listen. Or they'll they'll walk to where he's at and stand there, one of the corners or even behind him and listen. And if they want to talk to him, they politely wait until he's done preaching. They will stand there and wait until he's done preaching to talk with him. He's just anointed to preach the gospel. Like Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And, and that's the, the anointing that my husband has. Like He lifts Jesus up and it draws men to Jesus. And they have to come and they have to listen. Men being humankind, okay? Um, but they come and listen to him. And um, um, years ago, this one person that would teach people how to evangelize was uh, telling my husband that uh, he he was like a, a like a buckshot, like you know, like a like a sawed-off shotgun. You know, it it sprays everywhere. And he said, you know, you're like that when you preach the gospel. You just kind of like spray everywhere to everybody there. And and you need to be like, you need a one bullet, one person kind of a thing. And um, when my husband told me that, and it was, this person told us him before, you know, we got married. But the one day he told me, it was like, so when, when Paul preached those 3,000, was that, was that a sawed-off shotgun? Was that a bullet? I, I don't, I, I don't understand here. Like, we're supposed to be preaching to everybody, right? And I mean, maybe he never saw my husband, uh, you know, speak to only one person, but he's no different with one person as he is with everybody else because he's motivated. He was motivated by love. And even though there wasn't uh, that person or another person that told him that he, he didn't, he didn't preach the gospel in love. I was like, you're one person. I, I know for sure that preaches the gospel in love. Your sole desire is for people to come to repentance because you don't want them to go to hell. And it's like your drive. And it's God's desire that no man go, goes to, to hell. And that's your desire. So I don't really understand what the problem is. We need to be in a place where we don't have this mindset of uh, the one. But there's everybody. I mean... The harvest is plentiful, and this is the time in the season where, where if if there's a crowd, preach to the crowd. Like you go right ahead, you just you just lay it out there. I'll never forget when um, I I was on a mission trip to Milan, Italy, and at first I was we were at the Duomo, and I was talking to these these two British girls that um, they were there on vacation, they said that they were Methodist, and they believed that they were Christians, and I shared the gospel with them, and, and in the process of me giving them the gospel, these, these uh, Muslim guys showed up, and there was about maybe four, I think like four or six of them, they were in a, you know, they were their own little crowd, and they were going around, and they were finding girls to party with and stuff and they uh they saw these girls and uh and they were kind of flirting while I was while I was sharing the gospel and 
at that time I was like, Lord, what am I going to do? Because these guys are trying to distract them from what I'm saying in order to get them away. What do you want me to do? And the Lord said, well, why don't you preach to them too? Preaching to many is as easy as preaching to one. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. And just at that moment, one of the guys uh, was jokingly, you know, he jokingly said something to me. And it just, boom, it opened that door. And I knew that was, the Lord was like, here you go. And I stepped back just a little bit. And I was like, well, I was born for this. And I just let my voice just have at it. And in doing so, my voice, I could hear my voice bouncing off the Duomo. And I saw some other people stopping and listening. But I began preaching from these two girls from England that were Methodists to this group of guys that were Muslims to all these other people that were just hanging out the Duomo, picking up dates. That's where you pick up a date. And, uh, and they stayed and they listened. And one of them even asked me a question. And I answered that question. And I had this opportunity and the Lord told me, you had this opportunity they were there to take these girls away, have a date, go have a good time. And you gave them something to think about. And we need to be in a place where we're motivated by the love of God and we're ready to, to, to move and sway and be flexible with the Holy Spirit when it comes to preaching the gospel. Because the harvest is ripe. Like I know that there's a lot going on in the world right now, but this is it. This right here is the perfect time to preach the gospel because the harvest is ripe. It's so ready and you're a laborer. And if you're in a place where you're like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can go out and just preach the gospel, especially with what's going on right now. What if they say this or that? And what if they don't like it? Take a moment and just spend time with the Father and ask Him to reveal and take you to a deeper place in his love. More of his love. Ask him to show you more of his love. And yield to him. And be ready for him. To reveal whatever he needs to reveal to you. To take you deeper. And into a, a greater understanding of his love. In order for you to be compelled by love. To go out. And preach the gospel. Whether it's in your neighborhood, in your city, in your state, in your country, or in another country, it does not matter. Be motivated. Let his desires become your desires. Where you desire, where you long for, for the gospel to be preached to everyone. Because you love people so much that you don't want them to die in their sin, but you want them to know the love of God the way you know the love of God. Let him bring revival into your life. Open yourself to him. Open yourself to the Father. Let Holy Spirit come in and invade and revive you and take you to a place of a greater understanding, of a deeper revelation of who he is and who, what his word says. Because his love is so great. I mean, there's, there's so much of his love. It'll take an eternity to get to know all of his love. So be compelled by love. Let, let his love 
motivate you, drive you to preach the gospel. And let it be almost like it's an agony if you do not. Not that it would condemn you, but there's so much. You have so much love. And it's like his word is like a fire in your bones. And you just love people so much that you want them to know what you know. And it does bring a sobriety, but oh, the joy of knowing the Father in such a way that, I mean, you guys, He loves you. He really, really, really loves you. He really, really, really loves you. He sees you. He hears you. He loves you. He's, he, he delights in spending time with you. Just imagine. He loves it when you talk to him. He loves talking to you. Oh, the love he has for you. It's the same he love, it's the same love he has for others. Let's be motivated. Let's be compelled by love and let everyone else know. And and you know, honestly, if 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 they're changed by God in that moment or they're changed by God later on in life, that's not up to you. It's not up to you to make them born again. That's between them and the Lord. But preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Whether you're in a, a moment that is a good moment to preach the gospel because, you know, you're purposely going out and evangelizing or you happen to be, you know, with two kids and grocery shopping, but there's this person and the Lord says, hey, go tell them about me. In season or out of season, preach the gospel. Be motivated by love. Let God fill you with his love and take you places and motivate you in places and give you visions of things that you never thought was possible and a love for people that you never thought you could have. Such a love for others. And we're going to talk more about this because there's more of his love to be talked about. But until then, be blessed.